Mr. Makonga is here with us. And uh, last time I spoke to uh, Mr. Makonga, he, he told me about interesting things. He told me about the three fields, that is the mind, the reproduction, and also the land. I was very much intrigued by what uh, he had said. said. And uh, I really wanted to know more. So I reached out to Mr. Makonga, I said, okay, we have to be lectured just a few minutes, an in-depth view into um, the three fields, which is the land, reproduction, and the mind as well. And uh, we have some agenda also. We're going to discuss with Mr. Mapunga on how, you know, Mr. Mapunga is an amazing writer, you know, with amazing books, like, So You Want to Be the Master, the recent um, uh, book uh, which just came out, Find Your Truth. So we're hoping to have some of Mr. Maponga's uh, uh, accessories in terms of, you can see the beautiful hat that he's wearing. He actually made it himself by hand. And uh, we're hoping to have, see, he's been changing to more. <laughs> so we're hoping to have the Mr. Maponga accessories and hats at Zoloban to store which will have Mr. Maponga's books, it will have Mr. Maponga's hats and different merchandises that Mr. Maponga produces. You can see he's, he's wearing them at the moment and he's trying them out. Mr. Maponga, if you can let them know more about the, the merchandise, huh? the hats and, and, the, and the beautiful thing on your neck. Uh, well, in my extra time when I'm free, then I do a little bit of art over and above, you know, playing uh, some music instruments and uh, drumming, a bit of drumming, a bit of art, a bit of writing, making some clothes and uh, yeah, we're here in Africa and we have to uh, harvest our indigenous knowledge and try as much as we can to commercialize it and um, uh, without losing the cultural value of what our forefathers have left for us, yeah. Absolutely, Mr. Makonga. You know, I myself, um, and I'm in the beautiful nation of, uh, of India. I am from Congo, democratic, but I live in India. We have some leaders here who are coming from Cameroon. We have some people from South Africa as well, from Nigeria. And also, we have a brother in Belgium and also in Nigeria. Um, Today's agenda, as I, as I spoke to you last time, uh, we'd like to really uh, collaborate with the work that you do as well, to see how we can bring the merchandises to Zolabantu, and also hopefully to have you as a lecturer once in a while, maybe every three to four months, to really uh, teach us more Zolabantu. Like I said, my friends, those who are watching us on Facebook, Mr. Mponga writes and he publishes things daily. So many of the things that he he can talk to you, he has already written them down that you can access to read. He doesn't have to repeat it all the time. I think it's time for us to really dive into the action part of, um, of our fight. So today, uh, Mr. Obongo will give us a small in-depth into the three fields. And then after that, that'll be about 30 minutes. And then after that, we're going to have a discussion on the products that, that uh, Samponga produces and also the books, how we can incorporate it into Zolabantu. And I spoke to Mr. Maponga last time, he mentioned something interesting about buying trophies. I think he will elaborate much further into that. And uh, some of the things that he would like to teach Zolabantu in regard to religion and economics once in a while, every three to four months. Mr. Maponga, over to you on the three fields of humanity you said, the field of the mind, reproduction, and field of land. If, if all of you can show me, uh, um, I was working in the garden, so don't want, worry, my hands are a bit dry and white. But if you can show me your, 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 your hands, then we can get started. Uh, we are just about five of us, so I think it is safe that we can all show our faces. I don't know speaking to ghosts. Others put, put dogs and uh, flowers as, as 
profile pictures. Then they send me messages. Can you still recognize me? Then I say, your ears have gone big. They'll be looking like the dog on their profile, you know, but uh, so just let's get started. Show me your hands, show me your hands, all of you. Zolabandu, I can't see you, and the other Zolabandu also. Yes, five on the right and five on the, on the left. I like the gentleman there, the center has already made a diamond and uh, I'll get there. You can almost see the diamond on my head already on my heads. We'll be taking it through downloading African indigenous knowledge systems quickly. So you have five fingers on your left hand. Let's call that your mother's hand. You have five fingers on your right hand. Let's call that your father's hand. But all I'm interested in for now are the four fingers on your left and then the four fingers on your right. That speaks of the four grandparents who make your mother. In other words, your grandfather and grandmother, mother's side and the father and mother on the mother's side. And the same thing goes on your father's side. So you have the four that make the one, if you understand what I'm saying. For your mother to be born, she needed, she needed two parents on both sides that made her to be, to be one. So four make one on your mother's side and four on your father's side make one. And the one on the right, which is your father, and the one on your left, which is your mother, when those four come together, boom, you have your first diamond. So the diamond speaks of your compass as an African. That becomes your paternal side on your father's side. On your left becomes your mother's side, your maternal on your mother's side, and your maternal on your father's side. Behind you, that is the paternal on your mother's side, and in front of you, that is the paternal on your father's side. So that gives you what I call a compass in the African spirituality space, where your left shoulder speaks to your mother's mother, your right shoulder speaks to your father's mother, your back side speaks to your father, your mother's father, and your front side speaks to your father's father. That gives you the north, the east, the west, and the south, which is the compass for the African child. So the whole myth that we usually have that you have a one totem is not correct as Africans. All of us have two parents. So initially you have two totems that you work with and the two give you, give you the, 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 the four. The four give you the eight. The eight give you the 16. The 16 gives you the 32. And within six genealogies, you might actually discover that you are connected to everyone that is in your land. And uh, I'm, I'm starting from the bottom. So when an African says, I'm a child of this land, and you can trace your genealogies, you can't fail to see how you are related to every one of us. Hence, our surnames mean nothing, but our totems are where the value is. Because surnames are Eurocentric, but totems, those animals, whether you're from the birds, from the crocodiles, from the lions, from the hippos, or whatever, to link you up so that when you find a lion in the Zulu kingdom, which is the Leo in the European Zodiac, which is the Shumba in the Shona tribes, with his, uh, you know, Taung in the Tswanas, which is a Banda in Malawi, and you can go further up in Nigeria and Senegal and find out what is a lion in your own tribe. You may actually discover that totemically, the whole of Africa is connected. We are actually connected by our totems more than we are connected by our surnames. So borders become totally immaterial. Now here is the secret. Before any man can enter any woman uh, in terms of having sex with her, you need to understand that you are having a conversation with the eight ancestors who are sitting in the womb of this woman. Are you there with me, guys? 
Absolutely, sir. Yes, Absolutely. we are. When, when you, when you yes, enter, when you yes, enter, yes. you are in conversation with the owners of this womb, who are actually, all of them, interested in what you are bringing about. So you want to find out before you enter, are you linked up to these families? How many of these genealogies are actually linked up to you? Is your mother in there? Is your uncle in there? Is your grandfather in there? Is your grand-grandfather in there and etc. And of course, as Africans, we never marry forward. We can marry to the side, left and right, and we can marry backwards. But you can't marry the same totem with your own father because then it mixes up your genealogical connection in terms of your blood relatives and increasing chances of abnormalities in terms of genetic recessions and etc. Some of you are scientists, you'll be able to apply your minds to that and actually understand that African science is way more advanced and educated when you are told you don't marry front, you can marry to the side and you can marry backwards, but you can never marry forward, you know, because that means you literally you're moving to be marrying one who has the same genealogical composition with your paternal side and the chances of having recessive genes of abnormalities are slightly higher. Of course, when people are in love, they tend to do some ceremonies to cancel those relationships and et cetera, and inform the ancestors that I'm going to marry one of you, la -di -da, la -di -da. but under normal circumstances, when all chances are possible, we always advise the young people, don't sleep forward. You don't sleep forward. You can sleep to the left, to the right, and you can sleep backwards. So that gives us our etymological, anthropological connection one with the other. Uh, sex stops being entertainment, but sex becomes a spiritual, cultural communication between two timelines, the people of the present and the people of the past. And when you greet and you are getting into that space, therefore it's a serious conversation. But in Farmers of Thought, we've designed three estates. You'll understand why I gave you this information at the beginning, because I'm going to end there. We have three estates. The first estate is the estate between your two ears. That speaks of your brain. Yes, you can go ahead. The first estate. And it also, it grows grass. It grows grass on it. So it's a field. It's a field where, <laughs> where lots of stuff is happening. It's a field where people plant seeds, plant information. It's a field which has entrances through your ears, through your eyes, nose, and senses. And take note that all the five senses are actually located within the space of the, of the head, except the feeling then that is therefore extended to the rest of the body through the skin itself. But the face also has skin. So all the five senses are actually locked up within the head space because the head becomes the collecting center, a receptor of critical information, spiritual information, academic information, cultural information. It goes through all those centers into the fulcrums of your head. So your first field you want to look after is the field of your mind. Question, who is planting in that field? Question, what kind of seeds are they planting in that field? Question, how are they harvesting the content they are planting in your field? And question, are you responsible and in ownership of your field that is hanging between your ears? Field number two is the one that is between your legs. And we later on tonight, when you sit around alone and no one is watching you and you take off your clothes, you may find there's grass there also. There's grass that is growing there. That speaks of reproduction. Uh, that speaks of posterity, posterity, continuity. Who is planting? Where are you planting on that field? Because through the second field, you are able to own and reproduce yourself to the next generation. Mm -hmm. As I said initially, therefore sex is not entertainment. 
It is actually a connecting cable between two generations. The ancestors that are in you as a young man, they are connecting with the ancestors in the woman to create another generation of yourself. So the young people of our days who consider sex as entertainment have lost the plot altogether. Because every time you take off your clothes, you are accessing spiritual spaces of connectivity and continuity. And therefore, you need to understand even issues of biological wars, issues of uh, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, contraceptions, and uh, population control, inclusive to vaccines and other modern problems that we are facing, that the war has moved from between our ears. The war is now between our legs. Who controls the population? How many blacks do we need on the continent? How many whites do we need in the world? How many Europeans? How many Indians? How many Chinese? And those with money have decided that we don't need as many people. We only need 1 billion people on the face of the earth for the resources that we have. So the other 6 billion must be eliminated. And you eliminate them through contraception. You eliminate them through wars through hunger, through poverty, through pharmaceuticals, genetically modified foods, and anything else that will make sure that the populations don't increase. Why? Because the resources are not increasing. Therefore, the war between your legs is the economic war, the economic war that is founded on resources. Because the more we are as Africans, we will be able to utilize our resources and not be able to share those resources with the Europeans. But if they want to share our resources with them, then they need to reduce the population of the African, the population of the Indian, so that the resources of the African can also be shared by the European. Resource number three, which is number three estate, the estate underneath your feet, that speaks of your land, the ground itself. And as I always say on all my presentations, Never make a woman pregnant before the land is pregnant. Every man needs two wives. The first wife is land. The second wife is the one who gives you children. If the land is not pregnant, it is illegal for you to make a woman pregnant. A lion pees around its territory first before it uses its sperm for reproduction. Therefore, pee or urine for territory than spam for reproduction. Are we therefore saying animals and lions are smarter than we are as Africans? How can you begin to have a family if you don't have territory? Territory speaks of estate. Estate speaks of land. Without land, it is illegal to reproduce. Therefore, the land underneath your feet, that's why when our forefathers, when we were born, they would cut our placentas and put them in the ground as a deposit, as a birth certificate to the land that we belong to. So that when we eat from the ground and we dance on the ground, the ground also knows us as we know the ground. And one day when we die and we are buried back to the ground, the full deposit is paid. Therefore, land to us is not just an estate. We don't own our land. Our land owns us. From it we came. To eat, we shall return. You cannot give a man, therefore, land underneath his feet when he does not own the land between his two ears. And he does not own the land between his legs. Farmers of Thought seeks to encourage the African children to begin to understand the power of wealth that is created by owning the three estates. Owning the estate of your thoughts, that's education. That's academia. That's why all of you right now, you're in the Western world, in universities and et cetera, studying, because you're trying to develop the estate of the mind. But after you develop the estate of the mind, are you also responsible for your estate of reproduction? And when you have the two estates above, do you have the land on which you can reproduce yourself and continue your history and continue your genealogy and continue 
your narrative. Therefore, in Farmers of Thought, we say, when every child is born, they are born with three estates. The estate of the mind, the estate of reproduction, and the estate of the land underneath their feet. The four fingers, therefore, in front of you would be speaking of the West, the Americans, the North, the Europeans, the East, the Chinese, and the South, the Africans. Question, how are the Westerners utilizing their land? How are they utilizing their land? How are they utilizing their land? The Northerners, the Europeans, what is their policies about land? What is the policy about land? What is their policy about land? The Chinese, how are they maximizing on their land? How are they maximizing on their land, between their legs? How are they maximizing on the land underneath their feet? Ultimately, when they come to the South, which is the Ubuntu, which is the African state, what is our history with our land? What is our history with our land? Ultimately, what is our history also with our land that is underneath our feet? This becomes an academic institution where we are challenging political rigma, religious perspectives, economic principles, you know, logistical, agricultural principles, pharmaceutical principles as to how is the African maximizing and working to beneficiate himself from his estate, from thought to reproduction to production, production that is underneath the field, underneath the land itself. And as, as farmers of thought, and as we are talking to all of you, we want to say when you wake up in the morning, put your hand on those three estates. And as you work in the day, distribute your energies, your efforts, your investments into those three estates. Because these are the blessings that all of us, we have when we come into this world. Those who are rich and those that are poor is determined by how they maximize their land. This is how I want you to think. This is how I want you to feel. This is how I want you to do. I thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Ma. Matonga, we really appreciate that. Uh, deeper explanation of the three fields. I have never heard it better than that. Now, uh, with our leaders here in Zulubantu, we'll just give an opportunity for some of you to be able to ask Mr. Maponga one question each, and then we we'll dive into the other because Mr. Maponga has something else also coming up. So just one question each from everyone here regarding the three fields, and then we'll move on to the second agenda as fast as possible. Just put your hand up and I'll select you. You ask the question, keep your question under 30 seconds to 45 seconds, not more. And then Mr. Mapongo will answer it in a minute or two and then we move on forward as fast as possible. Time is important. You just raise your hand and then I'll offer you the opportunity to ask your question. Any question from anybody? Yes, we have- When they don't, uh, ask, when they don't ask questions, in my village, they say either they understood everything or they did not understand anything. <laughs> <laughs> we have a question from Ms. Lebohan. Please, Ms. Lebohan, keep the question under 45 seconds and then we'll move on. Yeah, Ms. Lebohan. Thank you so much, Zola, and to all the leaders. Thank you so much. Uh, we are so blessed to, to have you today. You are awakening me more and more. Uh, I've just listened to you and listening to the perspective of how we must follow these steps as, as you know, as, as, as human. And it takes me back to now when we look at what is happening, there's our boys, you know, especially I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lady from Soweto. It, 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 you know, every time I'm in, I'm in a taxi or in a, in a car and I pass a young boy who I see that because of how we've been raised and what is happening, there are, you know, there's drugs that have taken them over. And it's so difficult to see that boy when they ask you for a rent, 
that you, how do you relay this message? How do we help them wake up? Because the system has suppressed them so much. So what would you say for us to try help these men now who cannot pick themselves up, especially who are very angry because this awakened, awakening has caused a lot of men to now wake up and realize what has been stolen from us. But most of them, they are angry and they've given up and um, drugs has taken over. What would you say and how would you advise us to try help these men now to wake up and see all these pointers that you've brought to us? Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Lebong. Over to you, Mr. Mahong. I think your question speaks of uh, political, social, religious rehabilitation. And uh, how do we rehabilitate a program totally? And I'm not looking for a temporal solution, which only looks at how do you remove street kids and give them a, a home or buy a farm and try and create employment for them and what. But we are literally dealing with a system, an academic institution, and a political colonial system that flushes people out of the system. You see, if you are poor in mathematics and in English, you, you won't make it in this life. Literally, it's, it's like uh, even the vocational schools are not, they closed all of the, all the FET schools. If you're South African, you know what I'm talking about. And they only left the academic schools to be running. So at the end of the day, if you are not going to be getting 80, 90%, in memorizing things in class. You're not going to make it in life. That's a fact. So your question is quite deep because it challenges the academic curriculum. It challenges the social structures. It challenges the religious structures. It challenges the community and cultural structures. How are we preparing our children to face the neo-colonial institutions with skills so that agriculture, for example, remains basic? Because any nation and any human being who cannot look and cook and plant food for themselves, they are not human. For, for argument's sake, you are not alive. If, you, if, if, if shops are closed and you find that you are going to die, you are not human. You are not normal. Because at the end of the day, you need to know that food does not come from the shops. Food comes from the ground. So we have people like you on this platform right now who are watering grass around their yards and they're prepared to go to the shop to buy food. Are you okay in your heads? Are you normal that you are paying for water to water grass and flowers? And you cannot put a small little garden at the back of your house to plant vegetables and tomatoes and carrots so that you can eat from there. When children grow up not knowing the first wife, the land, and they're in a hurry to meet the second wife, the girl with a weave, you have destroyed the community altogether. So my, my two cents, your question, I cannot answer it, madam. I, let me not lie. It's a, it's a huge question that almost speaks of how do we reconstruct a society to build up children who are able to survive in a neo-colonialistic, uh, schizophrenic political environment and the religious European religious environment. That's huge, madam. I think we need a whole new lecture where we can actually look at how do we reprogram our social structures. And that is right through from TV, entertainment, education, pharmaceuticals, agriculture, development, technology, innovation, politics, and etc. And if these principles are not taught to the young people at an early age, they end up on the side of the road because they don't see where they can fit. Most of the artists, for example, brilliant people, but because they could not cope in class with A, B, C, D, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the Pythagoras theorems, they end up on the streets. But you find them now doing arts and excelling. Millionaires, people like Bill Gates did not finish their, their school, but they're innovators who have been able to create wealth out of innovation. The question is, is our academic institutions, are our academic institutions able to produce for us young people who, when they don't make it academically, they can backtrack into the skills that they will have learned from a cultural space and make meaning out of their lives. I'm sorry, I'm not able to answer your question. All I can do is to give you pointers as to where the problem is sitting on. And I think it's on political and social re-engineering. I thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Let's have the next question from Brother Gilbert. Please, Brother Gilbert, keep it 
under 45 seconds so we can move to the other agenda and then the other questions we'll see how to have it before we end. Go on, Brother Gilbert. Uh, hello, everybody, and Mr. Maponga. Thank you very much for honoring our invitation. It's, it's a privilege for us to have you in our midst. We have a lot to learn from you. I, I have a question that I've been thinking about how I've, I've read a lot about you and I've listened a lot about you. So the opportunity uh, like this, uh, my question is that um, what, what do you think um, or how do you think this, this uh, school of thought, this farmers of thought, one, how do we call it first in, in Swahili, a language which I, I hope and I believe all of us should be able to speak. How do, we, how do we call it in Swahili and how can we introduce it to the society? When I mean society, like the base, let's say starting from the basic level of studies to any level. I thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Gilbert. Over to you. Um, firstly, I think that uh, you as academic people, my, my, my privilege has been to structure the thinking of farmers of thought. I'm already writing a gospel according to Maponga J, which is the software itself, over and above the six, seven books that I've written on African re-engineering strategies. But then you need to take this concept into your own languages and translate it into your own personal cultural norms. I know Nyerere came up with Chama Chama Pinduza, Ujama, you know, we, we have Chumurenga in Zimbabwe, we have, uh, you know, Mau Mau in Kenya, but all these were liberation movements. The question is how do we translate the farmers of thought, uh, I don't know how you can put it in your own language, but the issue is when children are already used to farming physically, they can take the principles because this is the social re-engineering strategy where you are working from the known to the unknown. Since they already know that you must water the ground, how do you water your mind? You must trim the branches. How do you trim your mind? You must know the season when to plant. What is the correct timing for doing certain things? So that even marriages and stuff business can be taught from the agricultural construct. So I don't know how you can translate it again. For the second time, I must apologize. My Swahili is not as good. It's I might not be very good in, uh, in running around except Jumbo, Sana, Wenda Wapi, Neni, Nataka. But you may want to apply your mind as a, an indigenous, uh, indigenous Swahili person and translate this principle for us, for us into farming the mind, farmers of thought, farming the mind, and come up with a theme for us, which we can now use for the Central Africa. Someone in North Africa, in Nigeria, and, uh, you, and uh, Ghana, they can also come up with something in the South, I can maybe work around that, in Shona, but at the end of the day, the concept is simple because I know I'm dealing with a, with a modern, modern society. So if I should say farmers of thought, someone should at least understand when I come up with things like heads and I'm not talking about decorated thinking. And then you see the diamonds on my heads. You see the, the, the various colors on my head that speaks of the chakras, the energies. How do you eat green? Where do the green foods go into your stomach? The purple foods into your third eye, the red foods to enhance your blood, the yellow foods. So it's not just fashion. Our forefathers left for us actually a, a, a template of knowledge, of diet. Even the medicines in the field have color, have color in them. So that when you are walking around the bush, even when you don't know what, you are, what trees they are, when you see the color of the tree, the roots, the bark, and the fruit, and you can see the color, you can almost tell this will be good for my blood, this will be good for my brain, this will be good for my heart, this will be good for my gut. This will... So for me, this ancient knowledge that our forefathers have been able to put as craft, it's not craft, ladies and gentlemen, it's not craft. Don't buy craft, study it, understand it. It is software, it's a library 
of information. Thank you so much, Mr. Makonga. We have Brother Peace. Brother Peace, just a quick question from Mr. Makonga. Brother Peace, go on. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, um, I really take it as a great privilege to be here. And um, I really want to thank Azola Bantu and um, Mr. Mukonga for granting us this opportunity to speak with him. Um, my question is um, related to religion somehow. I'm from Nigeria. Um, when, you, when you speak, when I speak with people that are enlightened or awakened, so to say, um, mostly in Africa, they attribute certain setbacks that we have in Africa to religion. Most of them like blame it on the Western religion or the religion that we imported. And um, I'm raised by a pastor and a pastor missus, and I grew up with some religious bias. And although I'm trying to be as open-minded as I can be, but I still have some religious bias. But I want to ask Mr. Mapoga, what is your um, what is your take on the effect of religion, or so to say, the Western religion on on our mind um, in 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 the continent of, of Africa? So I, I want to challenge everyone on the table. I think it's about. Uh, $10, if not $9, there's a book that is available there entitled uh, Find Your Truth on Amazon. You can be able to download a soft copy. That's a book that I wrote myself, which is a bridge. Find your truth. Find your truth. Uh, download the book for yourself. Purchase the book. It's a, uh, it's a book that I did myself, which I've managed just to upload as of uh, two weeks ago. Uh, first time. I'm actually, you know, this system is owned by white people who are still trying to break in there and uh, spread the information as much as possible. If I had all the money in the world, uh, young people, if you are fundraising and are good at it, let me know. There's a book I want to publish for free entitled African Solutions, where I have put about 36 or 52 uh, essays on the various uh, elements of African development that we need to look at. Inclusive to that is religion also, and the colonization of religion. The white people think that they are superior to blacks, but when it comes to the Bible, they place themselves at the center of the Bible. By making Abraham white, they are making Perez white. And if Perez is white, then Noah is white. If Noah is white, then Enoch is white. Methuselah is white, then Adam is white. Without wasting your time, God must be white. And if Adam is white, Abraham is white, David is white, Joseph is white, Moses is white, Solomon is white, then don't have a problem when Jesus comes out white. But how do white people place themselves in an African historical setting and make themselves the ones who are giving salvation to the black people? See, the, 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 this, this is what messes up my head, totally. That when it is convenient for them, blacks are uncivilized. But in religion, white people remain the saviors of the black people. To an extent that a black man must accept a white Jesus. And by accepting a white Jesus, why do you have a problem with his child and his cousin, who is the white man, who also is bringing salvation to you? So we can understand, actually, what I might want to call the colonization of the Bible, the colonization of religion, the colonization of Jesus, even the colonization of God himself, that all the iconography and advertisements that we see about Jesus are all white. How can he leave Africa as a black man and come back as a white blue boy, white blue eyed boy with white hair and the black man must accept Jesus? But now that we know that the history, that Jesus is black, wow, will the white man be able to accept a black Messiah and still remain a Christian? Then you, you begin to deal with your own demons as a child of a pastor to ask yourself the question, did you accept religion as a truthful historical narrative 
or as a colonial narrative which advances white supremacy. That's your problem. That's not my problem. I've overcome that boundary where now I know that the Bible is written from the Torah, the Torah from Abyssinia, from Abyssinia to Kemet, and Kemet, the Egyptian writings, and from the Anunnakis and stuff like that. Before the Bible was written, the Egyptian writings were already on the walls in Egypt. Those parables that you're talking about and etc. the pictures of mother and child, Jesus carrying a lamb and all that stuff, the Egyptian history has all those stories already in the wall three to five thousand years before the bible was written and in the in the space of academia we say the oldest is the authentic so if egypt had it and jesus grew up in egypt what he was teaching was it biblical theology or it was comedic theology number two if moses was in egypt when he wrote the ten commandments the ten commandments and we know that Ma'at has 42 commandments. Did Moses plagiarize the 42? Or did the 10 come down straight from God? Those are the problems you must start dealing with. And if you are a really vigorous scholar, I challenge you to go further and find out for yourself. The answers are waiting for you. When a student is ready, the teacher will always appear. <laughs> Wonderful. Our last question is coming from Brother Odeo. Uh, Brother Odeo, yeah. Just a quick question to Mr. Makonga, and then we'll move on to the next agenda. Yeah, good afternoon, Mr. Makonga. Uh, I'm very um, uh, honored to get the opportunity to, to, um, to speak with you. I have a, a question about um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the Farmers of Thought group. Uh, are you the, the administrator of the group? Um, um, farmers of Thought is complicated because uh, Facebook sanctions me quite often. So once in a while when I am blocked up, I ask other people to stand in. I've given two, three other people permission to access the page so that at least we can keep the conversation going. But yes, I am the genesis of uh, Farmers of Thought. I am the originator of AIM, African Indigenous Movement, and, uh, Af and uh, Farmers of Thought, uh, the healing, Farmers of Thought uh, Healing Center, something like that. So, yeah, because uh, I was, I was um, a member of the group for a while, for a few, a few months, I think two, two or three months, and but I stumbled on a, on a few, uh, maybe I stepped on a few people's toes, so they removed me from the group, and I didn't know, I have any explanation why I don't know why it was I was removed from the group because maybe I have send, I send me send me a personal send me a personal uh, WhatsApp message. I'll yeah. give, Zola can give you my number. I will, okay. I'll, I'll add you back on the group, yes. All right, thank you very much for that. Wonderful, and, thank you. Jeff, another quick... I have a very, very short question um, uh, to follow up with, with, with the topic, a very interesting topic, is um, about, I, I'm just uh, questioning, how, how, how did it get so far that, uh, that Africans, after all of that, what happened with the apartheid in Africa, and it, what do you know about in the Congo, what do you know about in, in Zimbabwe, what do you know about... Uh, now in West Africa, in Chad, uh, basically all over Africa. How come that there is no national uh, sense of being in Africa? People like they don't value life, they don't value themselves, and they don't, they, they, they just accept tr uh, Westerners. They, they trust everything that Westerners tell them. And it's look so, it looks so silly from the outside looking into Africa because people over here, really think that Africans are stupid. They have scientists here even claiming that they know that, that Af average African uh, minds uh, have uh, an IQ points about 70, right? And they say, yeah, European minds have about, about uh, IQ about 120 and, and Chinese have about 140. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't believe in the IQ test. It does not uh, confirm somebody's intelligent or not, but it shows that, you know, when you look at the leadership, when you look at the decisions, how come nobody is is really even if okay even if Africans do not get access to capital yeah even if they don't have access to capital they have some people who have a little bit money they can just make sure you have a national environment that you trade you do trade among yourselves just like how the Jews do just like how the Chinese do just like how the Indians do just like how everybody's doing that so why can Africa not do that they don't we have something in common we all have Afro hair 
You know, and one thing, it's shocking to see that most people in, in Africa who are successful, they all cut their hair, all bald hair. They don't want to show their hair. And that's the thing what we have in common, in common right? So we should work on that, on our appearance, our culture, our heritage, or where we, who we are. I, I, maybe you could answer the question, how did it get so far? Thank you. Thank you, Bernardo. Thank you. Go on, Mr. Makongo. Thank you. Two, two or three pointers I'm going to share with you. When you cut a tree and you leave the stump in the ground, all you're waiting for is the season where the rain will fall and it will start shooting again. The project of colonialism has been going on for 400 years. Our educational system teaches the African politician the African middle class to move away from themselves and become European. That's why they put on those bow ties and they bald their heads and they put on and drink up their moyets and sip their wines. So education is, an, is a passport to run away from being an African. That, that is the reality. We, we, our parents tell us to get educated so that you don't become poor like this poor man on the side of the street. I want to challenge that um, IQ test, by the way. Uh, when it comes to food production and survival, that if you take a, 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 a child in the Kalahari who has never gone to school and they can walk through the desert for 16 months and they know where to drink their water and treat themselves and, and, and find food and etc and they have the intelligence of looking at the footprints on the ground and tell this animal was here yesterday, this one is sick, this one is, is, is pregnant, by looking at the footprints on the desert sand. I want us to take that IQ test and then test the American, <laughs> test the Chinese, and test the black men, <laughs> and see who comes up with 180 IQ and the other one comes up with 0.2 IQ. So some of these intelligences, let's, let's agree, they are designed by those who want to design them with pointers to issues of mathematical calculations, spelling, uh, accuracy, um, geographical, you know, geological knowledge, where is China, where is India? And if you know quickly where these things are, then your IQ is better than the other one. But I think in the real sense of IQ, if it is measuring intelligence, intelligence must be measured on what I call environmental intelligence. Uh, are you aware of who you are? How do you speak to the wind? How do you speak to the water? And how do you speak to the land? And if you are relate, and that is African spirituality, by, by the way, on another day, I can take you through a whole lecture on the three uh, pointers, the three trinity, the trinity, of African spirituality, which is the wind, the water, and the land. So when it comes to how far did we go and how did we get here, the problem we have faced is that we have gone so far, as far as 400 years, moving our minds in the colonial direction. It's our generation that has started to wake up to discover that we have the resources, we have the mindsets, we have the land, we have manpower, we can rewrite this narrative. And I think this is the age of awakening. And it's upon you as young people, some of us as old people, we are just remaining here as conscious to share that information with you. We still have energy and power and, uh, and life itself to realize, re-educate, create platforms, write applications, on, uh, on apps, on Facebooks and Twitters and Instagrams and Play Stores, which have to do with harvesting indigenous knowledge system and communicate that with your, with your children. We need to understand it took us 400 years. I don't know how long it will take us to walk back, but it needs one generation to say it stops with me. And I'm talking to the right people today. It stops with us. There is no child of yours whom you are going to force to worship an image called Jesus. There's no child of yours whom you are going to tell that drinking tablets of human embryos is better than drinking herbs. 
it stops with us to know that African indigenous knowledge system is equally superior as to the Chinese medicines and European medicines. The list goes on to fashion, list goes on to indigenous governance systems. Politics is another problem that we are facing, where politicians are signing treaties with colonial governments, and they want to create Africa to become a, colon, a, a, a colony of European education systems. So we have politicians as gatekeepers, we have pastors as gatekeepers, we have academicians as gatekeepers to make sure that the African child does not go back to himself, but goes into European, into Chinese, into Indian knowledge systems. The onus is on you as African young people. What are you going to do about it? Thank you so much, Mr. Mapunga. If you can put a beautiful response to that out there. Um, Mr. Mapunga, if you can just allow me, please. We have Brother Flavie, amazing brother, who wants to just ask a quick question. Brother Flavie, we will move on to the next session. Just uh, Brother Flavie, yeah. First, yeah, greeting, greeting. Um, what a great, great, great lecture. And yeah, we are, we are blessed and honored to listen to you today. Um, when you touch on the field of the mind, reproduction and the land, um, as we know, you know, our forefathers back in the days, for, for example, when a, a son wants to get married, they will make sure that they prepare a land for him so that he can be at the house and do the ceremony like Lobola, you know, to marry um, the wife and then yeah, that person is gonna go to build his house. You know, they were already a land there, but in our generation, I feel like um, we lost that. And so we are rushing into marriage, but whereas we don't have land, we don't have resource, and we don't know how to look after our family and plus the situation that the reality that we are living sometimes, the economical situation is very hard for some people to provide for their family. So my question to you, um, uh, the uh, yeah, farmer, yeah, farmer, farmer of thought is, how, how are we going to teach and educate, especially our people in Africa? Because we know some of them, they don't even want to live in a place so-called province or village. They're all rushing to live like in the, you know, in the big cities, whereas, in our province, that's where we have big land. That's where we can farm. That's where we can, you know, build our um, homes and stuff like that. How can we teach them to, uh, you know, to value our land? And the second question is for some of us, like me, I was born in Congo. Uh, I'm living in UK. Uh, I've been living in UK for 10 years. So as you know, when you're living in a foreign land, you don't have land, right? You can have an opportunity to go to university, to studies and uh, uh, inquire knowledge, but you are limited, you know? So how um, can we use our expertise and our knowledge, you know, uh, to work together hand in hand with our brothers back home? For example, uh, my field is uh, technologies. How can we work together with our brothers and, you know, to teach them something that we learn from outside, we can also learn about, you know, our African cultures and values and the reality that is happening in Africa, you know, so that we can all uh, learn from each other and try to uh, develop as a people. Thank you very much. Once again, really honored to listen to you, you know, thank you very much. Thank you, Brother Flavio. Yeah, Mr. Mufunga, you can respond in a nutshell, in a nutshell, don't study to be employed. Study to bring solutions to the community. I mean, let me just zoom in to you. Let me not even make it philosophical. You are an IT person. Congratulations. Do a Google map of your village right now. Find out where they are. Go back to the village with, with as little as a thousand pounds with a server and a computer, open up emails for the whole village, link up the village 
with their children who are in Europe, who are in America, get letters, and people can be paying you one dollar, one dollar per email. And you are connecting and you're already making business. Create a business, collect that same platform, walk around the village, see the products that they're producing, put them up on your site, sell those products to the international community. Use your IT skills to create employment in your village and add value to the poverty of your people. Uplift your people. Basically, it can be more clearer than that. So instead of you running around the world thinking you're going to be making money in the world, the money you're looking for is actually in Congo. What if in your village right now, there is a deposit of gold, platinum, and diamonds, and you're sitting in London, and people don't know? But because you are IT inclined, you can do a geological map, attract funding to a mine in your village, do some assessments, use your skills to add value to your community. I can't say it louder than that. But when your education system tells, teaches you at the end of a four-year degree how to write a CV, you must know that, sorry for the language, you are fucked up for life. You are messed up for the rest of your life. If, if by the time you graduate, you graduate with a CV, you must know that you are doomed for life. Because you cannot walk back into the same system and become a slave of the same system. Go to school to learn. But when you have learned the skills, take them back to your people. All of us who are here on this platform, you are millionaires. Multi-millionaires in exile, as simple as a thousand dollars, a thousand pounds, a thousand euro dollars out of that seat with $200 for a ticket back to your village with a business plan of how do you create employment in your community. In the next five, six, seven years, you'll be able to fly me to your village and say, Ms. Mapongaje, please come and have a conversation with us. Here's a stipend for you for 15, 20,000. Please go home and enjoy yourselves. Because you're already educated. In my village, we say, a man with one eye is a king amongst the blind. Now here you are, you have the one eye. You have the one eye. Now you know the international community. You know how business happens out there. The people in the village are still blind. How do you take your one eye back to the village and convert that into business? That remains your business plan. Maybe in your final year at college, you need to start back and look back and say, how do I take my academic skills back to my people? Do they have a water problem? Do they have an education problem? Do they have an IT problem? Do, what, what are the challenges? in the, And how do I use my skills as a solution to that problem? And when you can offer a solution to the community, the community is willing to pay you a premium for good service. I thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Makonga. I think that was the, the questions for the first session. And now we'll be letting Mr. Makongo go very soon. I just, I just want to give the voice to our own, very own brothers here on how we can collaborate with them. Uh, some of those messengers on how to be able, like Mr. Mapongo says himself, we are already millionaires. So here, over to you. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, uh, Brother Avi. And again, yeah, I'll, I'll also take the opportunity, uh, uh, Brother Maponga, to uh, to thank you for coming on our platform um, and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I, 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 I came in touch with you uh, in January earlier this year, and, and I think my mind has just opened the more I listen to you. But anyway, um, you know, so we, we Zola Bantu, we, I'm sure you've heard through Brother Avi, uh, but with this uh, very diverse group of individuals scattered across the continent and sometimes on other, on other continents as well. Um, and we're always looking to, uh, to partner, um, but add value. You know, we, if you go to the website, you'll see a lot of the projects that we are into. Uh, you know, we're trying to raise funds of our own, uh, through our community and our ambassadors. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we, we value your partnership. So, um, you know, we're more than willing to, to engage with you and by, you know, helping to promote some of your products, um, you know, if, you know, and trade that off with some wisdom coming from you as well, um, you know, and, and look forward to a more sustainable 
sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, relationship with with farmers of thought and the two organizations. So, um, you know, uh, I, you know, there's nothing we can tell you here that uh, that you don't know. Um, but again, thank you very much, and, and we look forward to engaging and working with you in different ways. Thank you. I, I would want to suggest that uh, I could take um, the twelve of you on this platform into the Farmers of Thought uh, uh, training program, which will take you maybe four or five or six hours of training, but you can only graduate when you have trained another 10 people also. And then the 10 must train another 10 and, to, and the whole concept of helping Africans to begin farming can become a reality. I think that value is what I can add on the platform right now over and above the books and the paraphernalia that I have. I don't like selling these things to, to Africans. I would rather teach you how to make them. Then you can also use them as project initiatives in your communities, wherever you are in the world, that we can now upload some of these products and begin to create a market out of our knowledge systems. So that maybe I could, on another workshop after the Farmers of Thought Training Institution, uh, we can do one or two workshops on the crafts where I would challenge you. We sit around in one afternoon, you go, you buy your stuff, you come around, I show you this, how you do this, this, how you do this, how you do this. You may not need the skill, but make it, make it so that you know, so that when you meet those who may need it for survival, they can actually run. I sat down one night, that was on Thursday night, and I made up uh, 25, 25 of these hats, literally. And I discovered that I almost, almost created 24,000, uh, which is about $2,400 in less than three hours. And I'm posting 10 to Germany tomorrow, another five or six to America and et cetera. It's the kind of work that young people who are sitting around smoking marijuana under bridges, they're polishing their legs to go for prostitution they can actually convert their hands into an industry and, and create money over and above agricultural projects, cultural artifacts, you know, medicine, for example, and other forms of indigenous uh, harvesting knowledge and packaging it and selling it at a profit could actually become a center of Zola Bantu initiative that when we have the skills and we impart those skills to the young people, who could have been able to change their lives for the better. So I would challenge that if we, we, we all on this platform should become champions of the farmers of thought ideologies and not just to lend them, to lend them and do them. And then identify 10, 15 people that you actually share the skills with. Only after that can I graduate you to say you are qualified with the background that you have passed on the information. And that for me is much better than me charging you uh, lousy $50 or $60 for a hat and, and you don't even know what architecture, what are the pyramids talking about? What is the yin and the yang? You know, the black and white. What does that talk about? How do you eat green? How do you eat red? How do you, and if you don't know what is the emptiness of black, you know, darkness, how do you work with darkness and get light? So it's not just about buying crafts but it's now beginning to put the very education into these artifacts so that when people use them as Africans, we actually are in touch with the knowledge that our ancestors left for us. I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Makonga. You, men you mentioned something last time with me. You said that we should buy trophies. I just wanted to go in a little bit in a few minutes into it. Uh, buying trophies, it's a very good idea as a way of also uh, raising funds as well. All right, um, not necessarily this one, but I, I designed a, a, a trophy. I, may, I made this one myself, which I think as an organization, you can actually uh, maybe come up with 10, 15, 20 trophies, and we identify African leaders. Uh, for example, you look at Mwami Gaddafi, and as Zola Bantu organization, we can have a trophy for Mwami Gaddafi for the contribution that he made to be given to his family. And I guarantee you that the family will be willing to contribute money also towards Zola Bantu in terms of advancing your program. I'm looking at Magufuli, I'm looking at Kenneth Kaunda, 
and some of the stalwarts that have died. But over and above those that have passed on, even those that are still living, like the Lumumbas, for example, the Chuhombori lady in America, and etc. When we recognize them and we add up their profiles on our organization, it begins to be add value to what we are doing and networking with like-minded people that can assist us to drive the vision forward. Thank you so much, Mr. Mafonga, for having the time to talk to us at Zolovan too. We are absolutely going to get um, our ambassadors um, up to taking the, the, the training workshop at uh, with Farmers of Thoughts. That would definitely be an honor. We've been able to keep the time to respect your next appointment. We really appreciate you for coming and teaching us and really opening our minds. We thank you so much and we're looking forward to the workshop and also working together as well in promoting the Farmers of Thoughts products, learning how to do them, and also the idea that you just introduced to buying the profit as well. Thank you so much, Mafonga. We, we, we will be on Pan-African TV. I think it's a German-based uh, uh, TV, Pan-African uh, Daily TV. Uh, they will be celebrating my birthday. I turned 53 uh, a few days ago. So the German station decided to collect and uh, call some African artists. So it will be cultural music and uh, um, everything else, uh, virtual celebration of my birthday. I'll send the address to Zola Bantu there. And some of you who want to be part of it, please feel free to share the link and join with us as we celebrate uh, my birthday. Thank you. Thank you so Mopembo, 